0: RadioInfluence.com
1: Welcome in to a new episode of the MMA Report Podcast with Dale Galvan. I am Jason Floyd. It is UFC 276 week and we are going to break it down for you here on this episode of the podcast. Daniel, great to have you back on the show. Of course, uh, you were out uh, in Oklahoma City last week at part of a convention, and you text me, and uh, sometimes MMA just
0: can't leave your life, bro. I know, man. It was a very long convention, man. I was working eight to eight. I had to miss out on the podcast, and as I was in the Oklahoma City airport, I was tired. I was delirious, and I thought I might have been dreaming because in this airport, there are very few people uh, but there was one man who was working a, a bar, one man who was working the accompanied restaurant on the TV was the PFL. And I felt like I was dreaming because – the guy from the restaurant went up to the bar guy was like, look at Stevie Ray, bro. He's beating Anthony Pettis. And he went on to talk about how he had watched all of Stevie Ray's fights before he went in the UFC. He had, like, hardcore opinions about Stevie Ray. And I just was amazed because oftentimes we assume the casual fans don't know too much. But we have a hardcore PFL fan Working in the Will Rogers, Oklahoma City Airport. I just thought that was the most amazing thing that we've got fans like that just casually watching PFL and ESPN having hardcore takes about Stevie Ray.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy, bro. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, uh, you know, I will tell you it's uh, you don't have those interactions too much. I, I will say this. I'll share this story. So uh, last Saturday night, uh, my, my buddy's been out of town. So I've been I've been going to his house and, and taking care of his dog. And uh, there was a, a new sports bar that opened up by his house. And I was like, oh, you know, uh, you know, wife was with me. I was like, hey, you know, let's let's go and then let's go have some drinks uh, at this, this bar and have, have a little bit of bite to eat. And we go do that. And Uh, so I sit down at the bar and I notice none of the TVs have the UFC fights on. It was on the prelims were on ESPN too. I'm like, Oh, no big deal. I'll just put it on my phone. I mean, I I, I'm so used to that at this point now, Daniel, (laughs) Of going out and just putting fights on, on my phone because you know, everything's on a streaming platform. So the bars may not have like ESPN plus or or anything on those lines. And, uh, so I was like, Oh, okay. The main cards on ESPN, the main card is about to start. You know, it's going to be come on after the college baseball world series is on, uh, World Series game runs a little long, but you know, fights come on, and within five minutes, magically, the UFC fights were off the TV. I was like, okay, I guess we're not UFC friendly here.
0: Yeah, how the heck do they have so many televisions and they can't show the damn UFC fights? I mean, it's so hard for a bar to change a TV, or even my own gym. Man, I'll go to my gym the day of the NBA finals, and I can't find a damn NBA finals, but I can find, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat or Star Wars on TNT they've left on there. So, that's a, that's unfortunate, but at least you had your handy dandy phone to watch the live stream. But yeah, you would think with 84 TVs, they would have leave at least one of them on ESPN two to catch the libs.
1: Yeah. That, that was last Friday night as uh, I went up and met with my buddy to watch uh, the end uh, of the lightning game um, last Friday night. And you know, my
0: condolences, saying- my condolences, Jason, I feel so bad for you. I, I don't know what it's like not to win a championship <laughs> in uh, what, three months
1: yeah man it's tough it's tough man it's uh man it's uh (laughs) the the thing about hockey is man once the the Stanley Cup final is over and you see these teams release the legit injuries these guys have like you had a player he just didn't have a broken finger they called it a mangled finger that's (laughs) which leads me to the question is what's the difference between a broken finger and a a mangled finger
0: I think it's just broken in several places it's it's just a That's hilarious. I've never heard that. Uh, But yeah, it it reads a lot like a a post UFC fighter injury suspension list. But hockey players, man, they're a completely different breed. They really are.
1: But I'm so uh, I watched the first and second period from home, and I ended up meeting up a buddy to watch the third period, you know, and I'm the dude at the bar. That literally is got the Bellator fights on his phone while the, the the Lightning games going on, and you know Danny Sabatello, you know, you know, we we all know, uh, you know. There's a certain word he loves. And, uh, you know, look, the Mohegan crowd did not like Danny Sabatello. And, but Danny did go out there and get the win. Of course, uh, made a little bit of news uh, this week. The fact of he was fined by the Mohegan Tried Department of Athletic Regulations, $5,000. Uh, essentially what was called abusive language. And, uh, you know, Danny Sabatello, which actually he'll be on Sunday's podcast. So people can look out for that interview. I'm actually going to be talking to him on friday and uh so i said you know what let me we call it mike mazzoli let me let me see kind of what is to this story because you know when i saw like my initial thought was okay is there more to this story is there more to the story of like i don't know maybe Danny was being a dick to the inspector backstage you know and so i i, I talked to mike and i said hey man you know kind of you know what went into this and, and, he, and i said well there's something happened backstage he goes no he goes Danny was a pleasure to work with. He goes super nice guy, you know, very easy to work with. And he said it was more about the flicking off of the crowd than the actual F bombs in there. I mean, look, do I agree with that decision? No, I do not. Um, I mean, look, I, I get why you're trying to do it, but I, I, overall, I just don't agree with the decision. I mean, Mike is one of those guys where I know I can pick up the phone and. And we can have a real conversation. And, you know, it's something that uh, I'm not going to agree with. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's his decision. He's, he's going to make those decision that that he wants to make. Also, I don't know if you saw this, Daniel, last week. There was a document that was given to the fires at the rules of meeting about the judging criteria. And what it was, was essentially was – and there was some – negative feedback on it, which I I didn't quite understand negative feedback. I talked about it on the podcast uh, last week. And the fact is, is what Mike was trying to do was give a very short form of hey, this is what the the judges are looking for. And, of course, uh, number one was damage. Um, You know, Nolan King put the the thing out there, and I talked about last week, number one was impact and damage being the most important thing that judges are looking for. Number two, dominance. And then number three uh, is duration, which, uh, you know, and and basically Mike Rizzoli, you know, I I always say this, like there's going to be a method to the madness, Daniel. And the method of madness was: how can I give the fighters critical information, and I'm not going to bore them with a five-page document of of how what what is a 10-9 round, what's a 10-8 round, what's a 10-7 round? But I'm giving you one page, and I'm I'm giving you the outline of how we judge fights. I I thought it was a smart move. I love seeing more. I know the UFC broadcasters went through a judging and and refereeing seminar last week in Las Vegas. Um, you know, but I, I, like the fact that at least the commission took the opportunity to sit in front of fighters. And at the end of the day, the fighters can, can ask these questions to a commission anytime they want.
0: Yeah, Jason. I mean, I think it was a great thing that they went above and beyond to communicate to the fighters, the judging criteria. This is a topic that is consistent in that there's a big disconnect on how fights are scored on who's scoring the fights. I mean, so often I hear people trash the judges without really acknowledging that they, have a legitimate mixed martial arts experience while i do think mma judging does still need to be changed with the way we score fights i just feel as though the way we currently do it isn't the best possible way i applaud them for making that communication before a fight and i feel like that should be a regular thing across the board across mixed martial arts promotions Regarding the Sabatella situation, Jason, I agree with you. Don't think he should have been fined. $5,000 is a lot of money out of someone's pockets. Uh, I understand he cursed a whole heck of a lot, and I am uh, good on you for figuring out the specifics. It was the middle finger towards the crowd. That was probably the trigger and the catalyst. That being said, I think you should really only remove money if the language is truly hateful in terms of maybe racism, racism. Um, being transphobic or homophobic. That's what I would lean towards. But in terms of this past weekend, we had a lot of fights. We had three events from PFL, UFC, and Bellator. Gamrot looking good in UFC. A lot of good fighters having great performances there. PFL was upset. City, Stevie Ray getting in that body twister on Anthony Pettis. But the biggest takeaway, Jason, to me, is Johnny Eblin's dominant victory over the guy who i considered – the best pound for pound fighter in bellator Gagar mousasi before
1: we we talk about Evan and, and mousasi something uh, a point i'll bring up on danny sabatella because you know, he was on a aerial show and basically yeah you know, I, I i'm gonna ask him about it on, on friday when i talk to him but i almost feel like does he look at a five thousand dollar fine as a price of building his brand
0: yeah well i don't think it's going to change who he is no. he may not look at it as a price he's wanting to pay but it's not a consequence that's going to affect the future Danny Sabatello. This is a man that understands who he is, what he's trying to present. And even though it did cost him, I think possibly the long term impact of him continuing to act the way he does, being as vulgar as he is, will likely help him out in the long run financially because, simply put, more people will care about him. But now, man. Sabatello's got to get to work, got to get another victory. I mean, he showcased how strong his wrestling was. This was a great matchup for him. But, you know, the semifinals is going to be a very tough challenge. I mean, look at the way Magomed, Magomed Karimov looked in that matchup against Barzola. First guy, I believe, to finish him. He looked phenomenal.
1: Magomed, not not Magomed Karabov. You're thinking of the PFL. Oh,
0: I'm. Got, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you're you're already trying to advance Mago, all to Friday. Magomed Magomedov. Oh my goodness, how did I get my Magomed's mixed up? And between the Magomed's and the Nurmagomedovs, I'm just in a world of hurt with possible uh, possible mistakes.
1: Yeah, it's you know the thing about Johnny Eblin. I felt like I it was just a recipe of what King Mo did back in the day against Gagar Musasi. Of course, King Mo and in, in the corner Johnny Eblin utilizing that wrestling. I mean, look, it, but, Johnny, that's it's a beautiful game plan.
0: But bro, he shut him out, and it was the wrestling. And I know the wrestling helped, but the stand up was Eblin too. And I, you know, Musasi had to have been concerned about the wrestling opening up situations for Johnny Eblin on the feet. But you tell me, Jason. You told me, Daniel, who's going to win the striking affair? I would have said Mousasi. Oh, yeah. oh no and doubt. Eblen dominated. I mean, Donnie Eblen, like, what a performance. And he is now someone Bellator is going to build around. And he is now a very, very interesting fighter in the landscape. He continues to win. We're going to have to start. You know, we're talking about who's going to be the best middleweight in the world this Saturday. We're going to figure that out as Sanya defends his championship. Well, if Eblen continues to win – he will put himself in that conversation to be a legit top tier middleweight. He already is that. Now for him, you know, he's going to have to piece together like what three, four, five more wins to continue to show that improvement. But in my book, Jason, you beat Gegard Mousasi soundly. Mm-hmm. You are on the trajectory on the on the incline to get to that point.
1: The only issue with that is the fact of, I mean, obviously, and and I would imagine you would run the rematch back with Gegard, but it's like. After Gegard, what, what are going to be the wins in Bellator that are going to potentially convince people that you are in the conversation as best middleweight in the world?
0: Yeah, there it's impossible for him to do such a thing. The only way he could get that way is if Adan Sanya or whoever was a middleweight champion retired. And then there was a kerfuffle atop the 185-pound weight class in the UFC, much like we had in 205 for the UFC when John Jones vacated his championship. That's the only way I think Eblen gets there in Bellator. I think we both understand that for Johnny Eblen to get there, he's probably going to have to look towards free agency and making the big jump. But for him, hats off to him. He has evolved from prospect to champion in bellator and i did not think he was going to do it my mm-hmm. man i had my money on gay garden I mean, and musasa is one of those guys who's aging better than even wine in his bellator run and, and i'm very interested to see what he looks like moving forward because this is the guy who has so much tread on his tires and in cage experience
1: i tweeted something on friday and i want to get your take on it potential okay. matchup bellator can make it it's not title-related, but I, I would call this, I would I would label this in the, yeah, that would be fun. Brennan Ward and Sabah Hamasi.
0: Oh, great fight. Great fight. I mean, Brennan Ward's comeback tour has been so great. He was such a nice little addition to this main card. And I tell you what, Jason, I hate the fact that these tournament fights are five rounds.
1: I hate that <laughs> so much.
0: But Brennan Ward it was a great way to start out this card. I mean, Brennan Ward, before he took time off, to get himself right was already one of the most exciting fighters in Bellator. And he's maintained that fight style. So 100% would watch. I think that bellator division is really littered with some highly enjoyable fighters, my man. I mean, and it has been since day one, realistically. So Ward Hamasi, dude, put that on a main card, put it on Showtime, and, and just sit back, grab your popcorn. You're going to enjoy the show. I think – Thought the Bellator show was pretty good. It was probably the show I enjoyed watching the most in terms of the importance of the fighters. The fight quality eh, wasn't as good as maybe UFC, but I I still enjoyed it. And, you know, shout out to uh, Kat Zingano on the prelims getting a win over Pam Sorensen. Brett Primus, bro. Tough loss on the prelims for him.
1: Uh, I mean, how about Cody Law getting upset?
0: Mm -hmm. It was a lot of upsets this weekend, dude. It really was. It Uh, really, really was.
1: Watching the Katzengano fight, did anyone watch that fight and go, Yeah, I think she's got a chance against Chris Cyborg?
0: Zero people. Zero people thought that. You know, dropped around against Sorensen. Not great.
1: I mean, look, it, w- we're going to see what happens with the free agency of Chris Cyborg. I would imagine that PFL is ha- going to make a big offer. You weren't here on the show last week, but Aaron Bronster did an interview with Don Davis where he revealed the pay per view price point, bro.
0: What was it? No, sir. No, (laughs) bro. bro,
1: I, uh, I was talking to somebody in my community today and they, I said, Hey, do you hear what Don Davis said on the PFL, uh, pay reprice? And they go, no, bro. What'd he say? I go $50. They go, get the F out of here. I go, no, bro. He really said $50. And I said, I was like, look, I'm not trying to. And also I thought it was interesting. I thought previously, They had said it was going to be a 50 50 revenue split in the interview. He said fires will get 50% of the profits. Uh, That's that's revenue and profits are two different words, but I was like, I'm sitting here going, okay, like, okay, $50 outside of Kayla Harrison, Chris Cyborg. What can you put together? That's going to get people to pay 50 bucks.
0: I mean, maybe put Stevie Ray on the card. That guy from the airport will purchase the pay-per-view. <laughs> but, yeah, there's nothing there. The, the the way to get people to buy on um, pay-per-view is for PFL to go out and acquire stars and, and put together fights people want to see. It just doesn't seem realistic. And, and I do think if they run a show with their roster, with $50, it's going to be an unsuccessful pay-per-view. They may not have any profits to share with talent. And that's an important distinction. It's a massive gap. In monies between the, the the profit and revenue, I mean, this is a show that very likely will not do a profit. I think.
1: Yeah, I just i when I heard when uh, I was watching that interview, I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, it, with with the way this combat sports landscape is, with how much <clears throat> it, it costs just to be an MMA fan. I mean, let's just be honest about it. I mean, you know, we're we're going to fork over what eighty bucks after taxes to 83 they I think thing is like eighty three ninety nine after taxes for me. I mean you know I, I did see my local sports bar show in the pay per view so I was like Ooh I might end up being there on Saturday night.
0: <laughs> yeah man. You know it's uh it's a type of pay per view that is worth the price for sure for the UFC. but you know if you can save yourself some bucks while drinking some brews, might as well go for it.
1: Yeah, man, we'll, we'll we'll get into that momentarily. I mean, I, I look, I think top to bottom, is, it's an amazing fight card. Uh, You know, yeah. the one thing, you know, watching the last two weeks of the PFL, and, and I, I mm-hmm. talked about this last week on the show, like this is my favorite part of the PFL season, this stage where it's a, you know, quote, unquote, win and go home. Some of these fighters, I'm like, hey, fellas, do you realize you need a first round stoppage to go out there and win a fight and get into the playoffs? I don't know, Lance Palmer, one of them. Yeah, like, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm I'm watching the Lance Palmer fight, bro, and I'm sitting there going, "If you're the PFL, like like look, Lance Palmer is an elite mixed martial artist, elite grappler, no question about it. But like, this is entertainment. Like, if you're a PFL, do you want to stay in the Lance Palmer business?
0: I don't think so. I really don't think so. I mean, let's not forget the controversy around Lance Palmer. What a year ago, two years ago, with his father. Yeah in addition to his fight style and in addition to the fact that prior to this win had been a very long time since he got his hand raised. I don't think we will see Lance Palmer back in the PFL next season. Um, But speaking to your point, yeah, we had a lot of fights that were kind of like great fights for these fighters, notoriety and name, but because they won via decision, we will not see them in the playoffs, right? Like the dude in the main event, massive dog against Capelozzo, Matthias Scheffel. Big time win. Can't blame him for not trying to get the finish because I don't know if he would if he could Mm -hmm. if he tried, and I'm sure he did try. Great fight, but unfortunately he won't make the playoffs because he lost. He got finished in the first round. Well, uh,
1: you're Kleitz and Abreu. You won both of your fights, but you won both of your fights via decision. You're on the outside looking in. That's crazy because you have two fighters in front of you who both went one and one. But because of the tiebreaker rules, if you have a stoppage that outweighs two wins via decision.
0: Honestly, I feel like the tiebreaker rules probably need to be changed in terms of if you have the same amount of points, but the the number one tiebreaker should be wins, bro. It really should. Uh, uh, Okay. Because that's kind of messed up, really.
1: So let me, uh, I, uh, I talked about this last week. So if you go to the PFL website, you can see their rules and regs. There's actually 10 tiebreakers that are involved in this one, and I'm scrolling down the sheet here. I will tell you, number 10 is a coin toss.
0: Oh, uh, What's nine? What's nine? Uh, um, what's right before coin toss?
1: I'm scrolling down to, to it. I'm scrolling down to it here. Um, so this is season tiebreakers. Uh-huh. If two fighters are tied on points, one is head-to-head, Okay, makes all the sense in the world. Two, yeah. number of regular season fights. Whoever had the largest number of regular season fights, a no contest, no decision, and walkover win count as a fight. A, walk off, a walkover loss does not. Okay, makes all the sense in the world. Number three, number of finishes. Four, winning percentage. Five, least amount of time spent in the cage when winning. Six, most amount of time spent in the cage when losing. Seven, combined scores on judges' scorecards for all results that ended in a decision. That's
0: insane. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, my God. I have a headache thinking about that.
1: Eight, lowest combined opponent scores on judges' scorecards for all results that ended in a decision.
0: Also insane.
1: Number nine, most combined league points scored by opponents.
0: Uh-huh. That makes more sense than the decisions.
1: Ten, coin flip the league will work with the commission on his choice to oversee the coin flip. The league will assign heads and tails to the fighters who are tied and will have the commission confirm the result of the coin flip. Hold on, Daniel. If me, and you are tied. We can't somehow decide who gets heads, who gets picks heads or tails.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you, it's, yeah, it's. So uh,
1: if three or more fighters are tied on points, which this is the scenario here at heavyweight, One's head to head, two number fights, three number finishes, four winning percentage, five, least amount of time spent in the cage when winning. Six, least amount of time spent in the cage when losing. Seven combined scores of judges' scorecards for all results that end of decision. Eight, lowest combined opponent scores on judges scoring for all results that end a decision. Nine, most combined league points scored by opponents. And number 10, no Daniel, we are not going to a coin flip. What is it? Random draw. The league will work with the commission of his choice to oversee a standings draw. The league will put each tied name on a card, shuffle the cards, and then randomly draw from the cards for seating. The commission will confirm the result of the draw.
0: That's amazing. I think if they're tied, they should just fight in a backyard one week later. Whoever's tied, just meet up at this backyard and it's Fight Club. And whoever walks out makes it in the playoffs. I think coin toss should be much higher on the list of the first ones that you read off. Like, which sort of taking into account the scorecard. Like, that's just so weird, especially when you have only two fights you're working with. But, uh, yeah, I would also say I think winning percentage should go above number of wins.
1: I'll say this. I mean, what, watching the PFL show. And we know, uh-huh. uh, we know PFL executives love to call themselves the number two mixed martial arts organization in the world. For me, at this point, it just goes in one ear and out the other. I'm so used to hearing it by them. But if you are watching the PFL and Bellator and you didn't know anything about either organization, but you knew who referees were, no way you think PFL is the number two organization in the world because um, you got to get some better officials working. They had, they had an official that uh, Brandon Lafoyne scores a knockdown Referee thinks it's boxing and he stands and, and gets it away to let the guy stand up.
0: Yeah. That's the most WTF story I've ever heard in my life.
1: Oh no, 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 no. That is not the WTF story of the week. I forgot to put us in a rundown, but that made me think about our WTF story of the week that I sent you the other day. Yeah. And that is Brandon Laughlin goes on Twitter after the fight goes last night. The commission was explaining the downward elbows before the fight. Okay. Okay. I told them PFL had no elbows allowed, and he looked at me like... I knew I was in trouble at that point. Bro, what the F? The referee doesn't know PFL doesn't allow
0: elbows? That's insane. It is insane. Like, that is their literal job to officiate the roles. Yeah, it was... uh, You would think after... One of their recent scandals that the PFL would get better at communicating and maybe it's the officials' fault, but the officials gotta know the PFL rules, man, before they explain the rules to the fighters. I mean, how insane is that? That the fighters know the rule books of the fight better than the officials during the rules meeting. Dude I mean these guys might as well officiate their own fight while they're fighting.
1: There was a referee work of the show two weeks ago, and look, I'm not out here to call anyone out for being uh, overweight but there was a dude in there who might be 300 pounds and I'm like he just can't move around i'm just like this guy should not be working a major mma event and, and like you know look i i get that your pfl you're trying to go to different jurisdictions but man you gotta get some better officials there and by the way stevie ray hey kudos going out there getting your stoppage that you know secure your spot into the the pfl playoffs well you get a rematch against anthony pettis
0: yeah, man. I'm excited for that fight. It was a good fight, bro. Round one was really good. Really, really good. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that rematch. I mean, because of what we've had in PFO 4 and 5 this year, I'm looking forward to the semifinals, man. I've enjoyed this PFL season. You know, uh, I, you know, when it's all said and done, I'm not necessarily excited about the idea of, of spending $50 for PFL fights. But all in all, I have enjoyed my time watching it. It was a nice way to, to um, kill some time at the airport. And you know, even though the viewership numbers aren't high, it, it speaks to how important they, it is to be on ESPN.
1: They did well, uh, two weeks well for them. Two hundred forty thousand average viewers. That's
0: pretty good for them.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that was a good number. I want to say they were maybe around two hundred last week. I think I saw, but uh, we'll, yeah. get into, we'll get we'll get in the PFL coming up here uh, in a little bit. But let's get into UFC two seventy six. It goes down on Saturday night inside T-Mobile Arena there in Las Vegas. And uh, Daniel, I mean, top to bottom, like kudos to the UFC for putting this card together because you have given me so... I don't know if, you know, like for me, for my level of being a combat sports fan, I love this card top to bottom from the first fight all the way to the main event.
0: Yes, dude. You know, it's it's a hell of a fight card, dude. It really is. How many guys and gals on this card are appointment viewing television? A whole hell of a lot, right? Like the Donald Cerrone-Jim Miller fight. It's just a nice little addition that we got because of the canceled Lozon Cerrone fights to this already stacked card. I mean, the uh, main event on the early prelims is a freaking great fight. Uriah Hall versus Andre Muniz. Dude, that that early prelim card is dope. Jessica I and Macy Barber, that's a great fight for women's flyweight. And I'm excited to see how Barber stacks up against a veteran at Jessica I, but the hits keep on coming, bro. When you look at the pre and you move on to the the main card, Jason, this is one of my most look forward to events you've got on the calendar.
1: Yeah, right when you said there at the beginning about how this card gives you something, every aspect of this card, the first thing that came to my mind was Andre Muniz. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. guy, I mean, like you're right, if you're Raya Hall. You know, and and I was doing a video over on the Odd Shopper YouTube channel uh, last night, and we're talking about Uriah. We were talking about this matchup of Hall and Munoz. And I said, The thing about Uriah Hall, you never know what version of Uriah Hall is going to show up. Like, there are times where you see Uriah Hall, and you're like, Okay, this guy's a top five guy in this division. And then there's times that you're like, I think he's barely top 15. Like he, he, he used, you just never know. Like, but if you're a Ryan Hall in this matchup, uh, you know, look, I, I'm not trying to be a coach here, but I'm just going to throw the suggestion out here. Uriah Hall <laughs> don't go to the ground, bro.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My man Mooneyes is pretty damn good at tapping dudes out when it goes to the ground. And it's going to come down to Hall's ability to defend the, the grappling exchanges. And, you know, it speaks to this card, right? you hall's last fight. He was headlining a show on ESPN. Here he is on the early prelims. Uh, that was a I,
1: year ago too, by the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Against basically a guy who's undefeated in the UFC and the contender series. And is a rising middleweight moon. and Uriah Hall is like, that's a main card pay-per-view fight. It really is. Yeah. And it's, this card's full of Brad Riddell and Jalen Turner. Good lightweight scrap. Ian Gary is always a, a pleasure to watch the, 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 the Uh, De Plessis-Brett Tavares fight's really good, and we haven't even talked about a single fight on the main card, and good golly, holy golly, this main card is the great combination of fighters I care about, and they're damn exciting too. You can't point to me. One fight on this main card that is not going to be fittingly enough on this weekend, fireworks.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, like... Like I'm saying, okay, obviously your top two fights are are your main event, and co-main event, no question about it. Yeah, and, and probably if you pull ten m ten MMA fans, and you said, "What's your favorite fight? The main event, co-main event?" It may be five five.
0: Yeah, it's close. Which one? Which one is your favorite fight between those two?
1: I would probably say Vulcan Holloway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, just
1: because I mean, look, we've seen the fight now for ten rounds. We know how close it is. I'm just hoping that we get some clarity on who on, on that someone goes out there and proves, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Like there is no like, oh, hey, I think Volk won that fight. No, I think Holloway won that fight. Like, and, and if you're the rest of the featherweight division, you're hoping one of these dudes goes out there and knocks the other one the f out, and yeah. and, and that we have got some clarity in this division. Um, you know. I, I, like to me, Adesanya Cannoneer, like I, I like Izzy to win the fight, but to me, if you, it's a fight that I think comes down to leg kicks, and to me, it's A, can Izzy utilize his leg kicks, which we know that is a big part of his game, or B, can Jared Cannoneer A, stop that, but also I believe... That he's able to attack with leg kicks. I mean, if you if this fight's at range, I think it's Izzy's fight all day long. But if you tell me that this fight becomes a a dirty type fight, and not and not meaning in in a cheating way, but meaning in a way of he's able to get, make this a foam booth type fight, clinching type against the fence type fight. To me, that's what's going to give Jerry Cannonier the best shot to win this matchup. But to me, I would like if I'm ranking the main event, uh, the main card one through five, I would go one Volk Holloway two Izzy Cannoneer, three Strickland Paheya, four Munoz O'Malley, five Lawler Barbarino.
0: Dude, how crazy is it that Lawler Barbarino is the fifth best fight on this card?
1: And so, and it has all the makings to be a fun as hell fight.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I might even put it sixth behind the Hall Mooney's fight. Like Lawler Barbarino, that might be your fight of the night. I mean, that's just, is always a scrapper, and Robbie Lawler's is a legend, a legend. I think uh, it's, it's a great fight. I think Lawler probably wins that one. I agree with you. Vulcan Holloway is my number one fight on this card. Um, you know, Max Holloway was on the MMA Hour to start off the week, and they framed it in a way that I hadn't thought of, that this is a matchup between the number two pound-for-pound guy in the world versus the number six pound-for-pound guy in the world. That's just really freaking cool when you think about it like that, right? It, it, it's really cool, and it's pretty rare. Holloway
1: had a great line today at the media day where, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell who the, the reporter was that I was asking a question, but the question was essentially of, you know, Hey, do you feel like that the winner of this matchup is the goat at featherweight and Holloway's response was, do you guys forget Jose Aldo?
0: That's yeah. It's very nice of him to say that. And he is the goat, but you know, Hey, Volk beat Aldo. He, he, he does. And, Volkanovsky, if he beats Max Holloway convincingly, he might give Aldo a run for his money, bro. I mean, I, I agree with Holloway. Aldo deserves the respect to be the GOAT and maybe still be the GOAT no matter who wins. But Alexander Volkanovsky is like he, – he's looking like a GOAT. He's growing those horns because every single time we see this dude fight – Granted, last time he fought a step-down in competition against Korean Zombie. But every single time we see him fight, he gets better and better and better. He is like this textbook case of, if you work your ass off, it's going to look better than Nicki Minaj is behind. All right, Alexander Volkanovsky is just, like, unbelievable. And the idea that maybe he beats Max Holloway and then, who knows, goes to lightweight because apparently he used to weigh 400 pounds as a rugby player, and then who knows, goes to Walter and just wins all the championships. I'm not sure, but with Max Holloway, he's such a funny guy. It's so strange to me, his lack of interest in watching Fight Tape, the idea that he has not seen Volkanovsky Korean Zombie because he was too busy playing video games, and his coach did the homework for him and told him, eh, you don't need to watch it. You already know what happened. It's strange to me, his almost like, keeping the sport at like an arms distance away almost in terms of priorities that worries me because i feel like it's the polar opposite from volk and how volk approaches the game but it doesn't worry me too much because that's how max has always been and well he's had a hall of fame career
1: it's one of those things of uh, the fact that these guys have now competed in 10 rounds is what changes can Holloway make that's ultimately going to lead him to victory? I mean, I, in the second fight, a key for Volkanovsky was the th- those three takedowns. And by the way, poor Brian Ortega. Max Holloway landed 290 significant strikes against him. Volkanovsky landed 214. Damn, bro. Like I, I Like, to me, it's a coin flip fight. It's it's just a coin flip fight. I mean, I love Max Holloway. I think Max Holloway is absolutely tremendous. But like, if you tell me I got to go out and lay $100 on either one of these guys, and no matter what the odds are, I think it would be smarter to put the money on Volk than it would be Holloway at this
0: point. I would agree with you. I think Volkanovski is my pick as well. Uh, a big reason why is I don't know if there's anyone I'll pick against him at this point. He's just continued to impress me. And how he's impressed me, is because of how freaking good he is on the feet right now. He, and again, maybe this is influenced by Korean Zombie, but he was so much faster, dude. It They weren't playing the same game. And if that's any evidence of the type of fighter we're going to see out of Alexander, the answer to the question of who has improved the most since Holloway Volkanovsky has last fought is Alexander the Great. So I I, I like Volkanovsky here. But you can't discount Max Holloway. There is a reason why this fight is so damn compelling. But I- I'm thinking Volkanovski wins, and I think it's because he's able to steal rounds with his wrestling to go along with the fact that his stand-up is just continuing just to evolve.
1: You know the crazy thing when you go over to UFCstats.com and you pull up Max Holloway's resume? In The fact it? of his last two fights, he has landed 445 and two hundred and thirty significant strikes, bro. In oh, twenty five yeah. minutes of fighting.
0: Yeah, dude, his volume is high, but he land his accuracy is even he is just so great. He he's just uh he may be the best fighter on this roster, I think.
1: And the one thing that we saw in his last fight against Jair was those takedowns, which I think that would be a nice wrinkle for him if if he's able to get those takedowns. I mean, look. I think his fight's going 25 minutes and I think we're going to have another razor close fight and I think yeah. we're not going to have clarity on on uh you know really uh, who who truly is the king of this division.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. I I don't foresee a finish in this one. I I think it'll be back and forth.
1: You know, with when it comes to the main event of Izzy and Caner, I kind of labeled out how I really see this fight going. I mean, if you're Caner, I mean, look, no question, he's got the power. Uh, he does have a three-inch reach uh, disadvantage in this one, and that's why I say I think he's got to, he's got to make this ugly. You can't fight at range against Izzy. If you fight at range against Izzy, he is going to pick you apart. And and like, look, you know, by the time we get to the main event on Saturday, the narrative of the broadcast could already be. Hey, if Izzy wins this fight, he's taking on a rematch in, 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 from kickboxing and Alex Brahea.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think uh I think you're right. I think if Pereira is happens to beat Strickland, he will not be far away from the octagon. whenever Odd and Sanya takes on Jared Cannoneer. Uh, but Jared thrives in this position. He thrives in being counted out. Throughout his run to this championship opportunity, he has been the underdog in quite a many amount of fights. The great equalizer has been his power, but more so than his power, just a great technical fighter as well. I think in this matchup, I I don't think it's going to be the most exciting fight. Even though Jared has shown an ability to execute his game plan effectively and not be paralyzed by his opponent's fight style and not let his opponent dictate the pace, it's very difficult to dictate the pace against Stylebender. I think Odin Sanya keeps the distance, Jason. I think it's going to be kind of a boring fight because there won't be a lot of action because that's where Izzy wants to play the fight out. But I think Odin Sanya defends the championship successfully in the night's main event.
1: Yeah, no question. I'm with you there. I mean, mention about Alex taking on Sean Strickland. The one thing I worry about Sean Strickland is, has he put so much of him, I mean, obviously, you want to get ready for the kickboxing aspect, but like to me... There is a clear method of how you can win this fight against Alex. And, well, why, why would you try to go out there and have a kickboxing matchup against a kickboxing specialist and, and try to get the fight to the ground? I mean, of course, you know, in his last fight, Alex was taken down two times. By Bruno Silva to me if I'm Sean Strickland that's got to be the game plan but he has spent some time down in American top team it, it really appears based on social media uh, that uh, really the emphasis for him is about bit about the kickboxing aspect but um, you know this should be a fun fight um, but for some reason I, I, I do favor Alice because I, I think Sean's going to sit there and have a kickboxing match with him
0: yeah I think when you look at how Sean talks about his last fight and everything that's what he loves to do. He loves to put on entertaining fights and that's probably going to be to his own detriment, but God, I'm going to pick Strickland in this fight, dude. I think he's going to have to revert back to the wrestling. I mean, it's just so obvious. And I think if Bruno Silva is able to out wrestle Alex, Strickland will be able to do just that. Uh, and if Strickland doesn't come in with that game plan, I think if he gets hit a couple times, it's going to get in his head that he probably needs to bring it down. So it's a, it's a it's a wild move by me to to bank on sean strickland fighting smart i've seen his social media feeds but i'm going strickland fighting smart i think he uses his wrestling to to beat alex perea because the ufc is just i mean alex is a phenomenal talent the ufc is trying to hot shot him to the championship opportunity it's a very tough fight and usually in these moments the guy the ufc tries to hot shot ends up with egg on his face because it was just too big of a test
1: Yeah, I mean, that that to me is when they made this matchup, it was very clear. There was no, uh, hey, we're gonna slowly build this guy up. They're like, nah, man, we gotta get him to the title matchup to potentially set up this rematch here. Uh, Barbarena and Lawler. Uh, this is a fight that was actually supposed to be on the early prelims, but got bumped up. When Misha Tate versus Lauren Murphy got scratched from this card, that fight is now next week in UFC Long Island. Lauren Murphy revealed that she did test positive for COVID, so uh, that fight's now going to take place next year, next week. I mean, look, I think Brian Barbarena. The first thing I think of is Wild wow, Man. You know, he's got to put on a fun, exciting fight. I I like Robbie Lawler just in the spot just because I think he's just a more technical striker and he's going to take advantage of the wildness of Brian Barbarino.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. My big concern for Robbie Lawler may be similar to the concern I had for Gegard. Age, experience. There have been times when Lawler has performed and he's looked like a shell of himself. After those performances, he has returned to form. This is a great opportunity for him. This isn't the toughest opponent in the world, and it sets up nicely for Lawler to utilize his offense, but I'm going to bank on Father Time winning this one and Brian Barbarana winning due to possibly a look of decline from Robbie Lawler. But damn, I feel bad about it because this is just a matchup that the UFC doing a favor for Robbie Lawler. This is a really great matchup for Lawler. So I'm going to regret this pick, but I'm picking Barbarana.
1: O'Malley and Munoz, which is going to kick off the pay-per-view. And, I mean, look, first off, let's give some kudos to Sean O'Malley's people because, goddamn, do they know how to pick the right matchups?
0: Yeah, yeah. Pedro's got a lot of skill. Looking at how these two contrast, O'Malley's likely to get a knockout here.
1: It would be the first time Pedro Munoz has been knocked out. I me. Mean, look, I do think Pedro Munoz has the power advantage in this one. But to me, I think there's a massive difference in speed in the favor of Sean O'Malley this one. Pedro Munoz, to me, fights flat-footed. I think that's going to create a lot of problems against Sean O'Malley. I just think that this is a tailor-made matchup for Sean O'Malley. Look, if you're Pedro Munoz, the game plan has got to be we need to attack the legs of Sean O'Malley. Now, here's part of the problem with that. Sean O'Malley has a seven inch reach advantage in this fight.
0: Yeah, it's going to be so apparent when these guys weigh in. I mean, they're going to look like different weight classes. And I just don't know how Pedro's going to be able to do that, you know, because it's not just the length, as you mentioned, it's a major speed gap between these two. And it's not often you see that with the lengthier fighter having the speed advantage. But O'Malley is a phenomenal athlete. He really is inside the cage. So, yeah, I, I like O'Malley to win here, but, you know, it's a great fight for him. It really is, because Petro's got a lot of credibility in this weight class and a long history, and he's going to continue to have success even after this fight.
1: Let me throw this one out to you. So the TV prelims are on ABC along with ESPN. I said if I was to show O'Malley camp, I would have rather been the main, the featured fight on the ABC prelims as opposed to the first fight of the
0: pay-per-view. I agree with you. You're literally on network TV. And if I'm the UFC, I probably would want that, too, because that's a draw. And that's going to draw you, people's eyeballs to watch on ABC. And I think the paper you can do without the O'Malley fight and still do just the exact same amount of business. But there really isn't anything on ABC that is going to attract a casual fan. So I think not only would O'Malley maybe want to do that, I think the UFC should have made that move as well. Like, look, if I was
1: going to rank the four fights on on ABC, so it's Riddell, Turner... Miller Cerrone, Gary Green, Tavares, Duplessis. Okay, number four would be the Tavares and, and Duplessis fight. Not saying it's not a good fight. Just saying when it comes to other three fights. Number three, I don't think you'll have the, the same third fight I'll have. Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone.
0: Why do you have that one so low?
1: I mean, look, you know, the, these guys are on the back nine of their career. Yeah. It's more yeah. about... What the potential? Uh, I mean, Riddell turned to me is the number one fight. Number one fight. Yeah. Then I go Ian Gary Gabe Green just because Ian Gary obviously is a great is a great prospect that's coming to the UFC. Gabe Green looked absolutely amazing in his last fight. Got uh yeah, he had he had uh, corrective uh, lens surgery and he talked about before that surgery like literally he couldn't see clear in the cage uh, and he looked great in that one. Like I mean, look Cerrone and Miller, it's the right fight to make. Let's let's just say that with these two guys. I I don't want to see Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone against some twenty two year old prospect. I don't want to see that because it's probably going to go yeah. bad for Jim Miller, Don Cerrone.
0: I don't want to see Jim Miller against Gabe Green. I don't want to see Donald Cerrone against Ian Gary. No. You know, that speaks to maybe why that fight maybe belongs above Miller Cerrone. But like you, I've got Riddell Turner number one. That's just a, a hell of a lightweight fight. And I got Cerrone Miller, too, because of the nostalgia factor. And I know it's going to be a, a barn burner. I know they fought before. And it was more of a performance the night type situation dominant outing. But I think these two guys are much closer in skill level now than they were at this point. I like Miller to win this one, but I agree with you. They're kind of in that UFC Legends division where it's just like I just want to see Donald Cerrone fight Jim Miller and, you know, heaven forbid they book Joe Lowe's on against him again, that definitely won't happen. But it's it's the right place. It's the sweet spot. It, it's my number two fight on these prelims because of that. There's just so much backstory and star power. Would you say Muniz Hall is a better fight than Riddell Turner, or do you think Turner Riddell is a better fight?
1: Turner Riddell a better fight.
0: Yeah, you like that one? Yeah, yeah. it's close. I don't, I'm really high on Muniz, though. So, like,
1: oh, yeah, the guy's truest. By like, the way, last time Donald Stroning won a fight, May the 4th, 2019.
0: Unbelievable. Was that before the pandemic? I remember yeah. when it started. Yeah, that was before I don't, the pandemic. I don't, I don't remember. I pandemic a, was I uh, March 2020, bro. Oh, my gosh. That's so crazy. That's yeah. crazy, bro. Yeah. yeah time um, flies. I mean, but, I mean you, you look at the,
1: in terms of the killers that Cerrone has fought since then, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, Anthony Pettis, Nico Price, Alex Morono.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he uh he needs to continue to fight legends now. It, he needs to just be on the legend circuit. You know, he needs to be fighting guys or, or he need he he's you he, he mentioned her on the back now. I mean he's on his back too, bro. I mean, I don't know how many more holes he's got. This may in fact be his last has he talked about if it was gonna have this is gonna be his last fight.
1: He says he wants to get to fifty fights, so he's got yeah. three more fights.
0: Oh, okay. I I vaguely remembered that. I wasn't sure. But yeah. So three more fights for old cowboy. Let's get some of these legend fights out of the way and call it a day. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, we mentioned about Hall Muniz. You know, one thing that, you know, when I looked at R- Uriah Hall, breaking down that fight, probably not good that you got taken down four times by Sean Strickland, three times by Antonio Carlos Jr. Probably, you know, he's he's got to keep that fire on the feet. Uh, Jessica I, Macy Barber, inch. I don't know about that matchup. like Jessica I, I mean, look. You know, she, she's lost, you know, three in a row, four of her last five. Like, I feel like this is probably trying to be a showcase fight for Macy Barber. Um, I don't know if Macy, you know, if she does look great I mean she has one back-to-back fights via decision here. Um, and, and the Rose Clark, uh, story fight. That's a nice fight there at 135 pounds. I mean, I just, I mean, look, I think top to bottom, it's, it's just a great car. We got on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, it is, man. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to watch it. I hopefully going to watch this pay-per-view live. And uh, I'm excited to chew chew it up with you and, and see what happens. But one of the best tickets in the mixed martial arts world is purchasing a UFC pay per view. Is it pricey? Uh, yes, sir, it is. <laughs> yes. But but generally, over the past three four years, most pay per views have been just absolutely badass. I mean, the last it was the last pay per view was the one that was kind of bad the the one with Carla and Rose. Yeah. But other than that. Oh no! That, that was two. pay oh, no! That no, was two that was before, ago. Yeah, that was before the Prochaska fight. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two pay pay-per-views ago. That one was a bit of a lame duck one, but uh, yeah, this one this will be worth your money, my man.
1: So yeah. I uh, I sent you over this ESPN MMA Instagram post where uh the nominees for the best MMA fighter for this year's ESPYS has been revealed. Your candidates: Kamar Usman, Alexander Volkanovski, Charles Oliveira and Kayla Harrison. Who's getting your vote?
0: Sorry Kayla, but I immediately crossed off Kayla Harrison.
1: All right, let me, uh, let, me she, let me talk to you about that point. Uh-huh. Why is it Kayla Harrison not Juliana Peña?
0: Because I don't I don't know, Jason. I don't I, I, have a good answer. So
1: when I sent to you initially, I didn't have that thought. And you know, because my initial thought with Kayla being on the bout is like, look, is she one of the best fighters out there? Yes. However, she's not doing it against the best competition. Let's just let's call it what it is. And I'm sitting there, and then I thought about it, I'm like, man, if I'm Juliana Payne, I go, I just beat the the fighter that everyone believes is a female goat, and I can't get nominated. Just yeah. saying, just saying.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe whoever did the nomination owns a part of the PFL. But look, my pick is simple it came down to either Olivera or Volkanovsky uh, because we're considering two fights, right? With, with both these, they both have two championship defenses that are within the year frame. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So with Usman, it's just a Covington fight. Um, also that fight, he barely won, taking him off the list. Kayla Harrison, taking him off the list competition. Isn't impressive. Volkanovsky, Korean zombie. And I believe Ortega, um. Okay, the Korean Zombie win, not an impressive win, even though it was dominant. Charles Oliveira is the winner because he beat Poirier and Justin Gaethje, two of the top three fighters in the weight class, and he beat them in, well, definitive fashion, not dominant, because obviously that you know, Justin Poirier fight had, had tips and turns, but definitive fashion, Charles Oliveira did it. The one blemish, obviously, is being stripped of the championship because he missed weight by half a pound. But because of the quality of competition and because of the definitive nature of winning two major fights, Charles Olivera to me deserves to ask me for best fighter. Can you imagine if Kayla Harrison wins this damn thing? Oh, uh, I would
1: question a lot of things.
0: Yeah, I would. That would definitely. I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's,
1: I think Kayla is a unbelievably talented fighter, but the problem is it, it comes down to the competition. And I, I'm like you. I would vote for the Bronx.
0: Let me ask you this: When you look at these four fighters, which one victory was the most impressive win in your book? What was the most impressive performance that these fighters have had within the SB year, which I guess extends from June until or July until now?
1: It's got to be one. The, probably the Bronx. DeBronks, maybe the Bronx Cagey.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Bronx Cagey would be the one for sure. I mean,
1: I mean, like, look, I'm, you know, may, maybe something's happened on social media that I haven't seen, but I'm just saying, if I was Juliana Payne, I'd be like, what the F, bro? What do I got to do I over know. here?
0: I know. I know. Oh, well, she's you're right. You're right. I feel for her. She had one of the biggest wins in the history of this sport. But uh, yeah, well, she's going to have an opportunity to do it again. I still got to watch the Ultimate fighter. Jason, there's like nine episodes I need to catch up on. How many more weeks until I have to uh, before it's over? No clue, bro. No, oh, no clue. Yeah, I, feel, I, I really I, want to watch I, this season. I stopped watching. I, 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 bro, I just stopped watching. Yeah, maybe this weekend I'll give it a good old college try.
1: So, uh, without looking, have you seen the PFL uh, betting odds this week?
0: Oh, crap. Uh, you don't have it on our sheet, so I haven't.
1: Okay. All right. So Julia Budd, you know, she was supposed to fight Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison mentioned that, you know, she was bummed out that that fight didn't happen. She wanted to test herself against Julia Budd. So Kayla Young stepping up here. Uh, you know, if I told you there is multiple sports books that have Kayla Harrison as a minus 5,000 betting favorite, you would say what?
0: I don't believe you.
1: Unibet and Betway. According to the Best Fight Odds, both have Kayla at 5,000, DraftKings minus 3,500, FanDuel minus 3,000, Bet365 minus 333, five dimes minus 3,000.
0: 5,000 is freaking crazy, bro. I mean, you know what number I had in my head? I had 2,000. I thought it was going to be minus 2,000. What, what, what would you have assumed without knowing what the odds are going to be? I
1: figured the lowest possible. Fifteen hundred, yeah. But like, I knew that. This that thing, I knew the thing was going to get bet up tremendously. I mean, like, I put this tweet out earlier today, and I'll get your take on it. You know, because I, what I did was I screenshotted these odds, and my tweet was saying, "Of you know, hey, when you see." you know, betting odds like this, does it change your thoughts on whether or not you will watch this fight uh, live or, or on demand slash uh, DVR? And response I got was, uh, it said, uh, it entirely depends on if I'm interested in the fighter. I'm interested in her story, so I'll watch her fight. If this was a fighter I'd never heard of on a regional show, then I wouldn't care to watch live.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, I agree with that. Um, I, will I watch live? Maybe, probably not, but I will watch the replay. It'll probably be a short replay. It'll probably be a first-round finish. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, outside of this, is there anything you're looking forward to on the PFO card? There, there's a couple of fights I'm looking forward to. Like, well, the, I'm looking forward to – go ahead. The first
1: thing what I do is I just pull up the standings, and I'm going, okay, yeah. who needs finishes, who needs stoppages? So we, we look over to the women's lightweight standings here. So Larissa Pacheco right now, she's got six points. Kayla Harrison's got three. Martina has three. And Olena, she has three as well. Uh, Julia Budd had three, but, you know, she's out of this tournament as well. Uh, you know, uh, Fabian is going to be taking on Larissa Pacheco. I mean, look, I, I, if you're the PFL, the best case scenario in this scenario is somehow Larissa Pacheco, Kayla Harrison are your one number one, number two option. The rest of Pacheco has no weigh-in issues, which we saw last year, and they meet in the finals. I mean, look, I expect Kayla Harrison to steamroll through Kayla uh, Young. I would be shocked if this fight gets out of the first round.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. But, hey, Kayla Harrison went the distance there in the last fight, and she didn't have a very good performance in her last fight. So that's worth monitoring. Can you imagine if she wins a decision and then two of these fighters with zero points get a first-round finish? and because of the tiebreaker, Kayla Harrison is not in the playoffs. That would like, be insane, bro. We would see the tiebreaker immediately change, and <laughs> Kayla Harrison would be in the playoffs. Like, There's a real possibility that she could be in jeopardy. I mean, it's such an unrealistic possibility, the idea that uh, two of the fighters zero points to get the first-round finishes. But uh, but the, there are matchups where that could happen, right? Like Abigail Montez is taking on Marina Mochnakina and Zamzagul Fai Zalanova is taking on Martina Jindrova And if they both get first round finishes, they would each obviously have six points. So yeah. So I sent that. you
1: I sent you over. ESPN.com has a story about playoff scenarios. And for Harrison, it says when Her- what Harrison needs to make the playoffs, a finish in any round. And of course, uh, if you're Caitlin young, you got to go out there and get, get a finish here. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Prize picks that they are daily prop based contests that you can play pretty much anywhere. And so they have some, um, some fight time prop numbers on the PFL. So let's, let's play a little over, under Kayla Harrison fight time, four and a half minutes
0: under, I'm going under on this one.
1: No question. Larissa Pacheco, 10 minutes over really,
0: yeah. I, I would I, I, I would lean
1: under on that one.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think that one's going the distance.
1: Ray Cooper the third, who by the way has minus one point because he missed weight in his last fight. He's taking on Brett Cooper, so we get the battle of the Coopers five yeah. minutes. You over. Get, okay. Now, me maybe being a degenerate over at price picks. I would just say screw it. I'm playing the under because if he is to have any potential shot to get into the playoffs, he's got to win the first round.
0: Yeah, you're right. God, and then that's he's a gonna need pick, though. <laughs> so uh, on the yeah, ESPN, yeah, I'm, going, I'm going under. I'm going. I'm trying to look at what Brett Cooper's done recently, and yeah. he has been finished in the first round a couple of times. He got finished by Rory. I forgot he got finished by Rory in the first round. Yeah, the yeah.
1: ESPN preview says, what's Ray Cooper III need? A first or second round finish to stay alive.
0: Wow. I can't... Man, Brad Cooper, bro. This guy's been around a long time. I still remember watching him fight in Affliction.
1: I remember him in Jesus. Bellator.
0: Yeah, I obviously he had that run in Bellator. Uh, yeah, man. I uh, I guess I I like Ray Cooper to win. But sometimes when it's like so obvious that you need that first round finish, that causes you to make mistakes, man. It really does, and it paralyzes you.
1: And and that welterweight division is really interesting. You got Magma of Karamov. Of course, he he did not uh, fight earlier on this year. He's in here taking on Joel Zeferino. So both those guys have zero points. So both those know that you got to go out there and get a finish because you have Roy McDonald right now at the top of the leaderboard with six points, but then you have three other fighters with three points. One of those fighters who has three points, Taylor, he's an alternate. He doesn't even have a fight here. So he's going to be in land. Just hope maybe someone falls out. He can get into this tournament. That one is pretty wide open. The only fighter that is eliminated uh, from playoff contention, Glyson Tebow, who is not taking part in this event here but uh you know that that to me is is why I love about this stage about the PFL is because watching as a consumer you start getting these main card fights and it's like you, you see that drama of there's gonna be some fighter in the back who's just praying you don't get a first round finish and while there's someone in the cage that's got to get that first round finish to to uh cook their uh you know punch their ticket to the dance
0: yeah it's it's, it's, it's a fun fight it's a fun feel man it's something PFL has done really good to replicate the way people feel when they watch week 16 or week 17 of the NFL season or the last few weeks of a college football season. Heads off to them for doing such a thing, and you know it's getting me excited for this fight card. You know, I, I think Rory will probably finish this Saturday C, but he's a tough guy to finish. It could because he's very cautious with the way he fights, doesn't engage very much. But I think Rory might just bring him down and try and tap him out.
1: Yeah, Roy just got to get a win, and he'll question number one C here. By the way, I mentioned about prize picks. You want to play a little uh, over-under on UFC 276?
0: Hell yeah. Let's do this, brother.
1: All right. Izzy, 22 and a half fight time minutes.
0: I go under. Freak. Yeah, I I got to go under, too, man. I, I think that fight goes the distance, but when you are arguing, does this go the distance or any other possibility well i'm gonna go with any other possibility right like he could get finished he could do a finish he could hurt i can't yeah i'm going under
1: here's a tough one alex paheya 10 minutes
0: i'm gonna go over i think this goes the distance
1: i i was thinking the same thing i was thinking over sean o'malley
0: you can see see him finish circling like in the first round too like that could absolutely happen sean o'malley
1: 12 and a half, so you got to get to two minutes in the third round. Yeah, we go under that one.
0: Under, yeah.
1: I'll go over on Jalen Turner 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, I think that one's also a distance fight. I I predict that will go unanimous decision.
1: This next one is basically you're thinking whether it's going to be a stoppage or finish. Ian, Gary, Gabe Green, 14 and three quarters minutes.
0: Oh my god. That's crazy. That's. Can you imagine if you win the bet, but it doesn't go to the distance? You wait over like 10 seconds left. Oh, man. Uh, I got to go over. I mean, yeah. I, I assumed it was going cool to decision, but yeah, I got to go over. God, I. Gary's a tough guy to finish. I know Gabe Keane's great, but, you know, and I don't think Gary will be able to finish green either. Man, I would
1: probably. The over's probably the right call. But uh, yeah. I've, I have seen some things that Ian Gary makes me wonder, could he get finished? Uh, I'll go under seven and a half minutes on Jim Miller.
0: I'm going to go. God. I'm going to go under also. Uh, just because these two guys are getting up there in age and they fall down a lot easier nowadays than the glory <laughs> days when they wouldn't. You know, I mean, they barely, you know, Donald's barely making it to fight, fight day. So I'm going under too.
1: Andre Muniz, five minutes.
0: Over. I think this one also probably goes the distance. I know if Muniz gets Hall on the ground, he's looking for that submission, but I'm going to pay some massive respect to Uriah Hall and assume it goes the distance, and I don't know if he'll be able to score a knockout either, but Uriah could absolutely get like a damn one-minute finish with some of the times he will just have a highlight reel knockout early on in a fight.
1: We have another 14 and three quarters. This is the final one for for UFC on fight time. I'll go over because it's Brad
0: Tavares. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I got to go over also on that one. What's the the number on Jessica? They don't
1: don't have one, Jessica Rose Clark. Uh Uh, Brad Tavares. So the last time he has won a fight via TKO or submission, was 2018 prior to that it was 2011
0: holy crap two two finishes via win two wins via finish in a decade
1: and think about it, he plus, went he went 25 minutes plus. with izzy
0: yeah hats off to him for that yeah wow that's stunning um, yeah i think i they gotta, you got to go over on that one
1: so they do have a significant strike prop on both Volk and Holloway. Volk, 133 and a half. Holloway, 128 and a half.
0: This is one of those fights where I would probably go over on both. You know, I just feel so, like these two guys. Honestly, I would probably go under on Holloway and over on Volkanovski, but Holloway has because Volkanovski's got great striking defense. Uh but Holloway's volume output is tremendous though.
1: Yeah, and, and plus what if Volk takes him to the ground and those are not significant strikes, those are uh those are takedowns. Uh let me see yeah. if do we have a takedown prop on uh we do not have a takedown prop on Pedro Munoz. Uh so the number on Volk is two takedowns. Got three the last go time.
0: Over. Yeah. We'll How about go that.
1: okay. Andre Muniz, one and a half.
0: Okay. Done. Uh, over, over on that one. I, I think he wins this fight. I think if he wins this fight, he's going to got get at least two takedowns. And I think it'll be more because Strickland's someone who's like, a, you put him on his back, he's going to get back up. I, I,
1: I, I, I think with Muniz at one and a half.
0: I mean, not, not, not Strickland Hall.
1: Yeah, Strickland, By the way, Strickland's two takedowns.
0: Yeah, that one. I'm gonna I would. Go under, I even would, though I picked up yeah, to win. Yeah.
1: Um yeah. Mooney's one and a half is interesting because if you take the over in that one, that to me says you think that Hall is going to be able to get up. The question is that the fight hits the ground once, is it over?
0: Yeah. Is it just a submission and now we calling it a day? Yeah. It's a serious possibility.
1: Yeah. I, I love playing over prize picks.
0: Yeah, that's some good stuff, man. I wish I wish it was legal in Texas. It should be Although legal in Texas. My, you can bet it's, on that. It's
1: legal here in Florida.
0: Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I have an account. Is that not sport Is that not sports gambling? I feel like there's no okay. way this okay. is legal in Texas. So you have to you
1: have to do parlays. You have you have to you have to do at least two.
0: Uh-huh. And if you do 5
1: and they all hit, it's 10 times your your entry fee. Um, but uh I feel okay. Like it's would, not legal. Would, okay, would I call it sports gambling? Yes. but it's legal bro
0: okay I'm gonna look into this let's be
1: honest about it is daily fantasy sports sports betting
0: I don't think it is but you don't think it is I guess it is no but you're right it is it is gambling but you're right at the end of the day I'm putting
1: down money not to try to
0: win money yeah yeah exactly exactly Uh, yeah you're right okay well if I do the uh, next podcast from a jail cell, we'll know <laughs> what happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh man. By the way, uh, I got jury duty coming up here in like two weeks.
0: Wow, dude. Bust out your top tap out shirt or your no, American no. fighter shirt.
1: I was joking with uh, the attorney that I do a podcast with and I told him I was like, oh man, I got I got selected for jury duty. He goes, oh really? He goes, when? I go, uh, July 18th. He goes, "He goes." He starts laughing. He goes, I got jury duty something for that day, too. I'm like, who the hell would pick you for a jury? He goes, yeah, yeah. I never would. I, I, said, I was like, I was telling my friend, I was like, I could, could you imagine if I walked in for jury duty? And the judge goes, hey, do you know any of these uh, lawyers up here? Yeah, I do. Oh, how do you know <laughs> him, sir? Oh, I'm his podcast producer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably not going to work the case, my man.
1: <laughs> I, I remember the last time I did it. I'm, I was like in the last row. I don't know. There's probably this, this, this is pre COVID. So there must've been like, I don't know, 50 of us in the room. And they start going around asking questions. And in my head, I'm going, they keep asking the same six people questions. They've already picked the jury. Why are you wasting
0: my time? Uh, That's what the U S government does. Waste your time. (laughs) Have you ever done jury duty? I've never actually made it to the court. I'll call I've been selected or whatever. I got the letter. And the day before, I'll call, and they say, I don't need to go. So, thankfully, I've never done it.
1: I want to say this will be the fourth time I've been uh, selected for jury duty.
0: Have you ever served on a jury? No.
1: I've made it into the courtroom twice. Mm. Um, The first time, they had had said that the trial was going to take at least three to four days. Uh And I was like, oh. Really don't want to do that. Do yeah. Can we have yeah. a day trial?
0: Yeah, I'll do it one day.
1: It, it was it see. was some type of personal injury case. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I went, it was a sexual abuse case.
0: Wow. Yeah, that would suck. Do you, oh no! I'll pay- tell you,
1: there was so they, the judge warned the attorneys to stop presenting the case during jury selection and it, it like based on the questions you started to kind of figure out what the case was and then there was one woman who held her hand up she's I can't be a part of this jury and because of her past yeah and i was like oh my god i yeah mm.
0: that's crazy yeah well i hope you don't get selected my man because or maybe i hope you get selected it's interesting it'll be a good podcast story but yeah i hope it's not too long
1: I hope not. But by the way, I didn't yeah. get a text from you. You're not pissed at my magic, are you for taking your guy?
0: Oh, dude. Uh so like when I went to this convention this past week, I just completely taken out of the world, dude. I didn't realize the NBA draft was going on until after the draft was over. And I was just like, oh crap. The oh I uh, I didn't want your guy, I wanted Chet. I wanted Chet Holmgren. Oh, really? I love I loved the idea of this dude. Like I saw this video of him uh, defending uh, Steph Curry in high school, and I was all in. But bro, I'm at the stage where I'm gonna talk myself into Javari Smith being the best player in the draft. Had the Rockets drafted Paulo Bancaro, I would have thought the same thing. I would have been right. like, oh, he's the best. He's the guy. He's the best.
1: He's the guy I wanted. I didn't Is want you. Jab- I didn't want Jabari. Now, look, Jabari may be the best overall player in terms yeah. of, of both sides of the court. But I'm like Magic. We need somebody to score.
0: Yeah, yeah. Paolo's just Paulo's that guy. I loved. I loved watching him in the in the. I don't know if it was the tournament or if it was just a really marquee game, but God, I watched him. on I, this dude special.
1: I remember watching him in in the regular season. I was like, okay. Yeah. We got a good chance to have number one overall pick. Overall pick. This this may be yeah. guy. And I don't know if you saw uh, the the big Aristotle Shaq on his podcast. Saw it on the NBA on TNT Instagram. He wants to buy the Magic.
0: Can you imagine who owns the Magic?
1: Uh, the DeVos family. And basically, the, uh-huh. the synopsis of the clip was: uh, when you're ready to sell, me and my billionaire friends are ready to buy, and we'll turn that franchise around.
0: So does that mean he's still going to be on inside the NBA? No, I he actually, so. he
1: had a minority ownership in the Sacramento Kings at one time. He had to sell it because uh, of an involvement he has of, with a casino in Vegas. But it, in his podcast, he already knew who his general manager was going to be because general managers on the sh- his, uh who he was, general managers on the show, Dennis,
0: Dennis Scott. Dennis Scott. He would
1: went Dennis Scott because wow. he said, he goes, I would trust 3D to make all the right decisions. I wouldn't have to worry about anything.
0: I bet, yeah, you would love it. You would uh, love it as a Magic fan to have Shaq, and Shaq would probably be going to games and everything. Oof, that would be great. Because, yeah, Orlando fans, you guys deserve something nice. You all really do. I mean, I know Dwight brought you all to the finals one, one year, but it's been a long time of not having a good team, bro. Like, you guys deserve it. You, you don't, really do.
1: You don't got to tell me, bro. Yeah. I mean, I've watched a lot of bad basketball over the past couple years.
0: Dude, ever since Dwight has left your team, which is like when I was a child, y'all have not been relevant. And I'm nearing my thirties now. <laughs> it's oh it's, it's
1: it's the same thing when Shaq left. Yeah. You know, and then you know, Penny Penny's health just went out from you know out from him and then you know, they got their one pick, he got to White Howard, you had a good run there, Dwight leaves and, and now whoa, he, whoa.
0: What was the, dude, I missed all these big sports stories, bro. Like, I'm like, oh, damn it. Like, I I went to this convention talking about how Texas A&M is going to win the championship, and now the University of Texas is freaking back. They get damn Arch Manning and apparently every other top recruit, and I'm like, Jesus. Why did Arch Manning go to the Longhorns, man? What the hell? I hate it. Maybe there was a good
1: bag. I don't know.
0: I, there was probably a whole suitcase. <laughs> oh God! If you man.
1: if you follow college athletics and you hear the term bag, I think you know what what we're talking
0: about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I missed you. I missed the podcast. I missed the world. I did love my convention. It was life changing. I uh, it was crazy, bro. As all these photographers, videographers, multimedia journalists, and we listened to all these seminars. We competed in assignments. Some high-level people went to this thing, like literally a uh, crap load of people from CNN. There was a guy who's literally in the Ukraine that was oh, there wow. with us. Yeah, but who won the big competition? Your boy. I won the best I won the best edit, which is the top competition. I beat all these people. Oh, so. that's awesome. Congrats, bro. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, man. It was very intimidating. Uh, just, I work for a city, uh, uh, the Rio Grande Valley. And I went up and all these people from all these major markets and your boy did good. So I was very excited. It's awesome. Uh,
1: By the way, I should leave on this main note. Violeta, she is done with them. She officially announced today that she signed with the WWE. Be interesting to kind of see uh, how the WWE is able to, uh, you know, utilize her. I mean, obviously you got, you got to imagine, I mean, got to imagine that's a a long-term bill. You know, I wouldn't think we would see her on TV anytime soon.
0: I don't possibly but also they have been like the NXT product they have on television they've been using people sooner than you would expect mm. but I would I would like within a, you know a year of training so I wouldn't expect her in the next year maybe make a TV appearance like hi I'm here but I wouldn't expect her to debut after Gable Stevenson makes his WWE debut cuz he's been started a little earlier but hey man Valerie Lareda has a real aspiration to be, like, a very famous entertainer. Like, she's mentioned that. Like, that's her goal, to be influential. Uh, She had a, you know, a nice run for Bellator. It's a loss for Bellator, for sure, because she was one of the most marketable people they had on their roster. But she'll have success, and, you know, maybe down the line she'll come back. I do wonder, like, if she does WWE for, like, five years, and she decides to compete in Mixed Martial arts again, does that Bellator contract still hold?
1: Uh, it, I, okay. As far as I know, the contract has been paused.
0: Uh, okay. So she would have to fight yeah. at Bellator. I mean,
1: the, the thing okay. that I always think about when we see these MMA fighters go over to WWE is kind of like that travel schedule grind of yeah. how much more difficult is kind of the athletic aspirations of being a WWE performer as opposed to being a mixed martial artist?
0: It's definitely hard travel-wise, but it's a lot easier to win. So there is that. A lot easier to win. And for value, uh, Loretta, okay. I mean... All right,
1: you know this. Uh-huh. Since you, you do some professional wrestling training, would professional wrestling training be harder on the body, though?
0: It'd be harder on the structure of your body it wouldn't hurt more. It hurts way more to do mixed martial arts training, especially if you're sparring because other person's hitting you and you do get hit in wrestling, but it's much harder on the structure of your body and long-term damage because often you are jumping up and landing on your back and rattling not only your brain, but your skeleton. You will have issues with your back and with your neck and that will happen in mixed martial arts training as well. But I would say that for professional wrestling, it's probably better for your brain, ironically enough, than mixed martial arts training, if I had to guess, because you are just receiving way more strikes to your head during a training session when you spar versus when you tuck in your chin and land on your back in a pro wrestling thing. But it's harder on your body long term when it comes to your bones yeah, and your joints. If you, yeah.
1: If you I, I I'll never forget when I was a, a kid and seeing X Pac get injured. So this was when he was the one, two, three kid in WWE. Or at that time uh-huh. WWF, it was uh, it was a house show, and it was a tag match, and uh, he fell the wrong way, and you knew something was wrong immediately because everything stopped. Yeah. And his I don't know if it was a family member, a girlfriend, whatnot, comes running into the ca- into the ring because he has clearly injured himself badly.
0: Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's the thing with professional wrestling. One of your biggest opponents is gravity, and uh, if you don't land correctly, you could be paralyzed, hurt significantly, right? All your body weight plus gravity going against the little joint in your neck, and it can be life-threatening. So it's a dangerous sport, but uh, you know, I yeah. think Valerie's going to have a lot of success. I really do.
1: I will say the the most fun professional wrestling shows I ever went to are ECW.
0: Yeah, second only to the uh, the micro championship wrestling shows you've been going to,
1: <laughs> dude. You, you, you ever seen a highlight at ECW when everyone's throwing chairs into the ring? Yeah. That was here in Tampa.
0: Was it really? I didn't know I that. mean,
1: literally, we're standing there, and just chairs are just getting flung into the and I'm like, and then there's people in the ring, too, and oh, yeah, man. The, the, the I'm yeah, telling man. you, I'll never forget um, the first time we went there. It was me and my brother. So my brother's seven years older than I am. So yeah. he's probably, at this point, he's probably 20, 21 years old. And we're walking into the four state fairgrounds and dude had dudes are carrying in two by fours, uh-huh. And I'm like, what the, f- what the fuck are we going to, bro?
0: Yeah.
1: And people have yeah. frying pans, cooking pans. I'm like, and like <laughs> we've seen this on TV. I'm like, okay. But then you see people bring them in. Like, and like literally they would hit to the wrestler. He goes,
0: douche. <laughs> yeah. You just walk in with your son. With a two-by-four, like, Daddy, what's that for? It's for New Jack. You know, it's for Balls Mahoney. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's a time that would never be repeated because it was it was literally almost like and, if you go to an ECW show, it's like a riot. And you knew
1: if you had a floor seat, at some point, you weren't going to have a seat
0: anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It was, you're going to have to stand in your room only because that seat was going to be bent. Yeah. Or, or in the ring.
1: I remember seeing New Jack jump off a of U-Haul.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, dude, those, like, I don't watch professional wrestling actively, but, like, those events, I'm sure they're probably on the WWE Network. Crazy ass stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a different time. It, and it's a time that will never come back because uh of how society has changed but it was a time that defined the 90s in the early 2000s yeah, bro crazy yeah i think the 90s might have been the best decade to live in it, re- it really might have been the best decade
1: the attitude era was tremendous
0: yeah 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 the early two yeah i agree like,
1: like you think about some of the dx stuff there's no way that stuff ends up on wwe programming in 2022
0: and some of it deserve release, so some of it is problematic. But yes, that uh that I agree with you. That uh that the uh the DX would not work in twenty twenty
1: two. No, not at all. Not at all. You know, <laughs> no, I will turn on WWE, I'll turn on AEW every once in a while. Like I feel like and tell me if I'm wrong here, I feel like if you're looking for if you're looking for entertainment, you're turning on WWE. If you're looking for wrestling, you're turning on AEW.
0: Absolutely. Those are the, that's a difference. You know, one literally calls itself sports entertainment and is repulsed by the word professional wrestling in the WWE and AEW. I mean, you know, they have a show tonight they will be an hour and a half of professional wrestling on two hour broadcast. And it, I love it. That's my type of crap, but I, I enjoy both products. But so wait, AEW is mine.
1: Well, you're saying Tony Khan's like going to walk out and say, uh, what's it, uh, then now and forever while he's, uh, paid off somebody $3 million
0: yeah that was insane I literally watched that smackdown because I was riveted I'm like Vince screwed me over uh, he said nothing yeah like whose uh,
1: idea was to have Vince come out after
0: that Vince it was his idea this is his circus and he is the ringleader and he will probably go down with the circus although I
1: I, I just uh, would have loved the bit of flying on the wall when they're going over hey Vince uh, Vince goes hey I'm gonna go on TV tonight huh
0: yeah yeah and I bet I bet he probably didn't clear it with too many people. I didn't he didn't tell people what he was gonna say either. I mean it's his circus, you know. And it's been that way since the eighties. Yeah. Four decades. Four decades, man. And why
1: is Rick Flair wrestling? Can you explain this one to me? I can't. Besides yeah. money?
0: Did they say who his opponent was? No. Yeah. Yeah. He was supposed to wrestle Ricky Steamboat, Ricky Steamboat was like, count me out of that one, sir. Yeah, I don't want to be responsible. I mean, this is a guy who's nearly died several times. Yeah. I
1: I, I watched the press conference, and I was like, uh, yeah. And let's just say, living in Tampa, um, a lot of stories about Ric Flair at bars. Let's just say that.
0: Well, I'm sure those stories have, you know, it's not the first time. won't be the last time for the Nature Boy.
1: Sure, it's not, but that is going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Appreciate everyone taking time out of your day. Download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Next episode will come out on Sunday. I'll be joined by Danny Sabatello. Also, Charles Rosa will join me as well, so be on the lookout for that. So, that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast, which comes out two times a week. Sundays, the interview edition, and then on Wednesdays, myself and Daniel talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts.